Hello and good morning and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is Monday, August the 29th, 2022, and we are here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church. Um, I'm here with, uh, I'm Jonathan, by the way, and <laughs> I'm, I'm here with Jeremiah and Blake and Jeff, all of our pastoral staff. Um, we're here to uh, kind of talk about the Sunday sermon together. We do it anyway, and we just invite you into the room as we discuss the message that we heard yesterday uh, morning. So uh, yesterday we were uh, blessed to actually start another of our of our worship services with a baptism, and that was really awesome. Um, and so <clears throat> we were doing that, but we were also focused on uh, school, because school started back today. Mm-hmm. Um, we really wanted to take some time to also pray for um, all of our students that are going back to school and pray for our teachers and sort of have a prayer of commissioning for them um, as they start a new school year. <clears throat> and so between those two things, um, we were going to be taking up quite a bit of time in our service. So the sermon yesterday was actually a shorter one than, than normal, and, 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 but it was, uh, it was good because we were talking about prayer, and, and we want to talk about prayer. I think prayer is something that we... All know that we should do prayer is something that we um, we understand and know that you know I, I think it was I think you said it or somebody said it yesterday that you know Jesus prayed and so if Jesus Jeff you said it if Jesus prayed as much as he did then we probably should pray as well and you know and Paul says things like you know we should pray without ceasing and so prayer should definitely be a part of the of the Christian life but I think we talk about that, but we don't talk a lot, a lot about the specifics of prayer sometimes, or how, why is it that we pray? Why should we pray? Why, um, what, why, why do we need to pray? And I think part of that was kind of what you were getting into, because you, you were talking about in your message yesterday, and specifically, you were talking about how we need to pray for others, and we pray for others because, one, they're part of a, a bigger family, that we, we, we're, this, we're this church family, but two, we pray for them because they need our prayers, and and so it's a very simple message in some ways, right? I mean, it's 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 that that's a simple truth that we need to be reminded of that um, that we are um, a family united together um, in in Christ, that we're that we're brothers and sisters. Um, I like the fact that Jeff, you said yesterday, you know, it's we don't use <clears throat> growing up and growing up in, in my church in southeastern Kentucky, there were a lot of, there was lots of that brother language. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if I was talking to someone who was older than I was. You know, that would be, you know, Brother Jeff or Brother you know, or or in in, in particular, you never called the preacher anything but brother something, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Brother Ronnie or Brother Jay or, you know, that that's that's the way we spoke. And sister too, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that kind of language is going by the wayside. We don't really do that anymore. Um, I'm sure that there are some corners of the world, some corners of this nation where they probably still do that. But in large part, we don't do that. And so, you know, it's a little antiquated. I mean, you know, it is. And, and it sounds a little strange to anybody who, I guess, if you walked into a church for the first time and you're a seeker, and you hear everybody referring to each other as brother and sister, you might think you walked into a cult. Um, but... By the same token, I think it has caused us to maybe the fact that we've lost that language has caused us to forget that we really are supposed to be a family. Mm-hmm. Um, in, 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 in this, you know, in this, the, throughout the New Testament, there's familial language that's used to describe the, the Christian church. And so, um, if we're not calling each other brother and sister, is there other things that we can do, fellas, that, that can sort of help people realize that, look, we're a family. You know, we're, we, 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 we should be a family. And we should, we should treat each other as family, not just as strangers or even as acquaintances who meet at this place on, on such and such a day. And we don't, want it to, we don't want it to be a cult, for sure. But we also don't want it to be something like um, a civic organization, because there's plenty of those, too. It, this is different. This is way different because, you know, Jeff, you, I know you belong to like a, 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 a Civitan club, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and while the, you're friends with all those people that you meet with on a regular basis, you wouldn't say that they're your family in the way that, that your brothers and sisters in Christ are your family. One, there's not something internally that unites you, you know, like, like, like the Spirit does with us. And so 
What is it practically? I'm going to talk a little bit more on the practical side today, fellas. Uh, what is it practically that we we can do to kind of reinforce that idea of family that you were talking about yesterday? Well, I mean, probably the closest thing that that I would say for me personally uh, is my fraternity brothers. We do call each other brother. Oh, because, okay. And the reason we have a, a, a shared common bond. <clears throat> so, right. so our bond is our initiation, what we did for that. Right. And so because we all went through the same initiation, but I wouldn't call like uh, the pika my brother, mm-hmm. but I would call the guy in my chapter and my, my fraternity my brother mm-hmm. because of that shared thing. And so I think in Christianity, that's the way Paul and the early church, um, uh, when they started calling each other brothers and sisters, because now Gentiles are in the church too, is it's the shared experience of Christ. Mm. You know, when Paul uh, begins begins first Thessalonians, he say, "You belong to the God, the Father, and Jesus Christ," mm-hmm. and so that set the whole tone that that we are a family. Right. Um, and how do we get past where where we look at people? I think I think it comes down to it, everything comes down to relationships, really. Mm. And so there's some people in the church that you're closer with. And they feel more like brothers and sisters, even though everybody would be your brother and sister. Mm-hmm. You have that that special feeling, and I think that mm-hmm. comes through our small groups and uh, people that you hang out with. Like bro, when we do the used to do the bros breakfast right, and stuff right. like that, it gives you those opportunities to to be to feel more like a brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kid, the kids when they go to camp and all, or some shared experience like a mission trip, you feel a bond. And I think the more you can do stuff like that, then the more you feel like a family. Okay. Um, Without without doing the whole brother sister, right, right, right. Um, but there there are still people here, even in Durham. There's some churches here. Uh, Katrina, you know, she'll call you brother Jeff or brother. Yeah, yeah. She she has that language. I think a lot of the independent Baptists still kind of use that language. When I was doing a funeral for my grandpa not too, not too long ago, it was in a Church of Christ, and on the sign it actually had brother. Uh, the pastor's right, name. Yeah, so yeah. I know a lot. I guess it's like if you're not like a reverend. I think it's no, well, I brother think, or, no. I think I, it's more rural. It's more yeah. rural. I think it's a, I, honestly. I think it's more of a well anymore. I think it's more of a mountain thing. It really, yeah. you know, um, or at least it's it's still in the mountains. We call each other. I mean, they do it um, even in um, at like you know I, t- I teach at Clear Creek Baptist yeah. Bible College out in Pineville, Kentucky, and and all those guys still refer to each other as. You know, if, they, if, they, if they're talking to a past a professor who's not a doctor or something like that, they'll call him brother, you know, yeah. brother Jonathan. You know, then they sometimes refer to each other as brothers too. So you know, it, it is it is still around, but I like at Rosa Sharon, I don't hear a lot of people use that 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 kind of lingo. And I don't know in Oklahoma, do they do Jeremiah? Yeah, well. I don't know if I can speak for all of Oklahoma, and I no, you can speak for the whole state. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't really been around for ten years, but, right? Uh, and a lot has changed in ten years, but uh, yeah, they used to call my dad brother Donnie. I thought that was weird. I'm like, Dad, I'm not calling you that. Uh, <laughs> I'm just dad is your brother. I'm just going to call you Dad. <laughs> but Dad's my brother. That's and Kentucky. I think, like deacons, <laughs> and I guess for me, it was always kind of like. It wasn't a relational thing. It was a respect thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like kind of like saying sir. Yeah. But then yeah. that got turned into like, am, are you calling me old because you called me brother Tom mm, or whatever? Right. And so I think I think because of relationship is why we stopped, which is kind of ironic, mm. right? Oh, okay. Like so my generation sees it as like there was a disconnect between me and brother me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, I don't want—I don't want that disconnect. I'd rather us just be equals and relational mm-hmm. and together. Um, but yeah, I think one of the most practical things we can do, or two, really. Jeff mentioned one: when you begin to serve alongside people. So, like, even like you serve at VBS, or you serve on a mission trip, or you sure. go into a service project, yeah. or. You go and just make a visit with someone. Mm -hmm. You really do feel like a special, like the relationship is growing and there's a discipleship relationship. Um, And then another way that I've been convicted about lately is when you hear people pray for you out loud. Mm -hmm. 
uh, it really begins to show like, hey, we're in this life together. They, they, they're advocating for me and not that they're my mediator, but they're, they're on my side, interceding yeah, on they're, my they're side. Joining, they're joining you. Yeah. Right? yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so when you hear someone pray for you, uh, especially someone that's not a pastor, that prays for you, you realize, hey, like we're in this together. We're, we've got a common bond here. Yeah. So I think those two things really practically just serving together. Because like, I think of Mike and Chet, like I love Mike and Chet, but serving with them every Sunday morning, like with Salt mm-hmm. and with the band, and then of course Ramp Ministries and Bros Breakfast, like the more I get to hang out with them, me and Mike have like nothing in common, but I feel really close to him. Right. Um, me and Chet have more in common, but... Still, like, big age gap and, you know... Yeah, sure, sure. Different life struggles, different types of jobs that we're in. But but we still, when we serve together, we begin growing closer to each other. Well, and he really gets into the question, what what, what constitutes a family? You know, what makes you feel like a family, right? What what um, what makes you family with the people that you're family with? I mean, certainly we could say blood does, but then there's... Yeah. But it's not just blood, right? Because... Um, even even in a in your extended family, if you're married or whatever, you've got in laws and you count them as family too, and you have no, you share no blood with them. So what is it that makes you a family? What is it that makes you a family? And and, and I think whatever that is is what we should really focus on um, in terms of in terms of like even in, in a Christian context. Does that make sense? Like I mean, yeah, your family, yeah, for instance, your family, you have you have. Um, Brothers and sisters that are not yours by blood for certain because your your family's adopted, adopted or you, you, know, right. you have adopted siblings. What makes them part of your family? I that just the relationship that we have. I mean, it's mm-hmm. so close. I mean, the first day that we got the boys when we got Jonathan and Laura from the from Baptist Children's Home. I mean, I've considered them my brothers ever since because I was uh I was calling them my brothers even before they were my legal adopted. Uh-huh. Brothers, just because we clicked, so we were just united in the fact that we just loved each other. It was probably just that instant connection of just like love we had for one another that uh, mm-hmm. that united us. And obviously, living under the, somewhat living under the same house, I was in college, so obviously I wasn't living in the house. But you right. know, but uh, still that relation of you know, same guardian in their what would have been in their terms or same. Gu- parent guardians that they had were mine and you know I was able to relate with them through that and their interests I, I like that that idea of parent guardian because in, in one of the things that makes this family as Christians I think is that we share the same father right yeah we're under, we're under the same authority or we would say we're all under the same authority the authority of God and authority of Jesus Christ and so so part part in part that that the same thing that unites you with your brothers and stuff would, would be the same thing that kind of unites us as Christians. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the same love I have for my brothers, I have for my biological sister. Just uh, because right, right. just because it's that love of, um, you know, I'm not your parent, but I'm also, you, but, um, you know, I'm also your friend and brother too, you know, so that mm-hmm. kind of unites with it as well. So and This is where I want to, so like basically we're talking about common bond. What yeah. makes us family is, the common bond and Jeff had already mentioned that yeah which and this is where I want to caution people because I think as a church sometimes we allow that common bond to be something other than Jesus mm-hmm. yeah, and that true. creates problems yeah yeah so then you have these factions within the church of like these people have this preference and this other group of people have this preference and they have they have they have and maybe we have uh, I'll put myself in there. We have a common bond, like for me and my students, maybe it's age or maybe it's sports or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just this common bond that's something other than Jesus. And if we focus on that, if that's really like what we would say our common bond is, then we don't really have a common bond with the the rest. And, and as soon as someone attacks my preference, uh, so let's say we have a common bond around music, uh, hot topic, right? Right. Um, which type of music we do in church. Mm-hmm. And as long as I, I'm getting that type of music, 
then I'm happy and I'm not going to go at war with the people who like a different type of music. Mm-hmm. But seeing that our common bond is, is, is Jesus and our relationship with Jesus, talking about that same father. We have the same mm-hmm. father. We've been adopted into the same family. That's our common bond. Everything, all these other maybe common, common bonds or things that you have in common with other people are just plus. But mm-hmm. remembering that priority and that really our familial ties go back to Jesus. You know, and that this, you know, we, we see those kinds of disagreements in 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 our our earthly families as yeah, well. I mean, all people the time. people people fight over the remote control, right? And, oh, you and, hear and you, you know, I, I know I want to watch this. Now I want to watch this. And at some point, the family has to kind of come together and go, okay, well, for the sake of the family, we're not going to fight over this remote, right? We're gonna we have to come together and we have to do something that we all we all can enjoy and. Uh, that's going to celebrate us as a family and make us feel together as a family, right? And everyone, you hear horror stories of going home to Thanksgiving and the uh, generational, like, political debates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, everyone knows, like, hey, that's a topic you don't bring up. If you want to have a good Thanksgiving, don't bring that up, right? Right. Um, because we want, does. we still want, yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. Then that guy who wants to be, <laughs> right, right, he, right. He thinks that's what family is. Yeah, right? he's got the gloves Family on. is disagreement, yeah. you know. And but you want to be there with your family. Yeah. But you just, you know that it goes deeper than those conversations. That that yeah. my ties to my my family back home, where we may have differences, they're they're strong rooted in something stronger than those debates. I want to go back to a scripture that you used yesterday in, in the context of this discussion, Jeff, because um, <clears throat> I think one way in which we can definitely do, do exactly what you're talking about is, um, the, you know, you hear Paul say in Romans 15, 30, and he also says in Philippians 1, by the way, where he basically calls them partners with him in the mm-hmm. gospel, right? And in and, and, and Romans 15, 30, he says, you've joined me in my struggle." By praying to God for me, and and so the idea here is whenever we're one, one thing I think that unites us as a family. I can say this in, in terms of my East Kentucky family, right? When we go through something mm-hmm. bad together, or when we when we um, when somebody is 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 struggling, and you and their family to you, and you surround them, and you unite with them, and you help them out. There's there's something to that, right? There's there's something to um, being with someone through their struggle that makes you family, um, because we can be fighting about political things, but if the whole family is dealing with something that's really bad, like some tragedy happens, we all unite around that, right? We all, I mean, that's the reason why you see people show up at funerals that don't show up at any other time. They come out for funerals because we're all going through this tragic thing together. Now it's sad, right? But but it's the way that it is. Um, and so, um, I think that's one way, but then the other way is, is, is exactly what you guys both talked about earlier, which is partnering together through something good, right? Something that you have a con- in, in common when a family can unite together around whatever it, you know, whatever it is, and they can work together to do something together, then there's something about that, whether that's making a Thanksgiving meal or whatever that makes us family, right? Um, <clears throat> and so there's... I think there's all that, and all that to me is far more familial than just saying brother or sister. Well, and, and the thing too is when you were talking about how do you get past that barrier, uh, early on in my ministry, uh, because I have lived away from my biological family for so long, you know, um, in, in when I became a youth, youth pastor up in Roxborough, and, uh, and came here to Rosa Sharon. Uh, in my mind and heart, I had a, a, I guess, a philosophy of ministry that I would say that if something happened to someone in my church, I would my, my first question I would say I would say as a pastor or, or as a youth minister is like, what would I want that my my brother or sister's pastor or youth minister or my mom's or dad, what what would I expect? For them to do, mm-hmm. or what I would hope they would do mm-hmm. back home in Gastonia, and that helped me then to see people like, okay, if I get a phone call, then then if I can be there, I'm going to be there for them, and that helped me help me see this person. I'm being like a family member or a person to this person, hoping that by my example and what I was doing, that God would honor that, and then provide the same for my family where I couldn't be. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's <clears throat> that's one way we can look at it because when we do get 
go with people in their struggles. And a lot of times it takes a lot of time, and you've all done, all you guys in here have done it, uh, especially before COVID when, you know, we would sit in a hospital waiting room. A lot of times all of us would be there many times. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it was just us alone with a family uh, and talking with them and, and sharing with them and, you know, waiting for the news from the surgeon and all the things that, that you go through, that struggle together through everything you're going through, then that helps form those bonds too, that you were yeah. there for somebody when they needed you. Yeah. So that helps you look look at somebody as being a brother and a sister too. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. <clears throat> that that being there for someone when they need you, I think is a big one. So if I can't be there physically, like the Thessalonians couldn't be with Paul, but they could pray for him. Mm -hmm. Same way, you know, you can't be with your family back home, but you can pray for them. But yeah. at, at the same time, people are praying for you here. And so we're, we're all kind of interconnected that way. Yeah, that, and that's that, that, that fellowship. Right, and that's what I was saying earlier. I think that, that in some ways, well, not in some ways, I think in a major way, we miss this, but I think the familial tie that ties me to other Christians is stronger than my blood tie. Mm -hmm. And... And it, and it sh shouldn't it be that way? I mean, because now God's stronger and greater. God's spirit, right? Because because the thing that ties me together with everybody else that's that's a Christian is the spirit of God, and I want to say that the spirit of God trumps blood. Well, and then, I just I, you know yeah. you know what I'm saying. I mean, I, I it, it feels to me like that should be a stronger bond. It's it's. It's probably, in very practical terms, probably not. I don't go to, you know, I'm going to go to my, my blood family before I go, you know, and talk to them about things that I probably don't talk to my Christian family about. Mm -hmm. But in, I'm just talking about in strictly theological terms, shouldn't it be the case yeah. that that's a stronger relationship? If you think about a lot of the Christians, they did get kicked out of their family. Some of the Jewish yeah, belie right, uh, sure. Jewish believers were disowned and That's deserted, a good example. as well as even some Gentiles were kicked out. Mm -hmm. uh, but and I think what happens to us in the church today is the the total opposite. Blood is thicker than water. Water is baptism. Blood is you're my brother. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times churches gather around families or strong families or family types, and that bond was greater than the baptismal bond. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, Rosa Sharon at one time in its history was probably that way. It was a group of family members and different families that were mm -hmm. so close that it was hard for anybody that from the outside to come in and be a part of it. Yeah. I think we're not at that point now. I think we're more the baptism bond is more the, the, the connecting point. There is some remnants of, of people that... Right. Uh, would say, you know, this was my church, my grandma's church, my great grandma's church, and that 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 tie is still there a little bit, but it's not as strong as it used to be. Sure. And I think I think that's where uh, we have to be as a church, especially in a more urban, rural, uh, suburban type setting like we are here today. We can't be a rural. Uh, it's you know, our church and our family, and we're the strong one and. We have the matriarch, the patriarch, and we run everything. Right. And and so those kind of bonds have to be broken because it's just the opposite of what you were saying. Yeah. The, the family bond becomes stronger than the baptismal bond. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it does. It does. And I, I you know, I don't know, maybe maybe there's room for disagreement there about, about whether or not the baptismal bond should be, um, <clears throat> or that the spiritual bond should be stronger than my, bond, my blood bond. But I, I, I just... I think theologically speaking, that makes sense, though, right? Yeah, I mean, one's eternal, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, one's not, at least, well, I, well, based I mean, on my understanding. Right, I mean, some people would say that that's eternal, too. You know, yeah. they, they think that, you know, my mom, for instance, my mom and dad are always going to be my mom and dad. Are they going to be my mom and dad? Am I going to know them as my mom and dad in, in eternity? Yeah. You know, that's, that's the question that we would have, probably. But, like, uh... There's something to be said about your physical family that are also your spiritual family. Mm -hmm. I think that runs. I mean, that's the deepest bond you can have. That's true. Because um, then you're yeah. double bonded, right? Yes. Yeah, you're like, I mean, you got no reason for division. And that's God's ultimate ideal plan would be that 
Yeah. You have you get a wife, you have children, they become believers too, and that that's really is the strongest. Yeah. So well, I mean, yeah, probably you just mentioned the strongest bond on earth should be husband wife. Uh but yeah. Um I don't see I mean I can't think of any Bible verse that would reject that that idea that our our spirits in fact I think it does there is one time where Paul's like uh how much more important is this this spiritual bond if it if it's rooted in Christ mm-hmm. um or at least that type of language <clears throat> so, it was in Galatians maybe. Yeah I think so uh, there's like the promise there's the whole promised son and, and uh, son of the slave and those types of things, but um, yeah, I, I think I think we should see our our brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, we're gonna be together a long time. Like yeah, uh, like we yeah, honestly, if you can't get along and you're both believers, like that's tough. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean that's sin, and, and sin is still here. Um, but we should be able to unite on our common bond in Christ um, as long as both of us are living in the spirit and not in the flesh. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, let's, let's move the discussion over to, to specifically prayer. And I've got some, some things I want to talk about in terms of that because the second point that you brought up, Jeff, is that we pray for others because they need our prayers. And we hear, I mean, everybody, you know, from... from Blake, I, I'll start with this because I, I think it's a good question to ask. Um, um, I, I want to ask, what do we, what should we pray for? Um, what, what should we use? What should we use prayer for? Right, and and in particular, like we know that other people have needs, right? Um, should we pray and like I'm thinking like little kids, right? Because little yeah. kids don't know, they don't really understand prayer and. They'll say, you know, pray for my cat or pray for my dog yeah. or pray for, you know, pray for, um, you know. Pray. My team to win. Yeah or, yeah. yeah. or things like that. I mean, is there is there harm in praying for those things that don't really have great spiritual matter? Um, is it okay to pray for those for those things? Um, and, and, and if so, how do we go about praying for them in a way that, 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 that do you yeah. know what I'm saying? No, for sure. So um, I don't. I don't hate it when a kid's like, I want to pray for my cat. It's not doing well. Because there is a sense of cast all your cares on the Lord for he cares for you. Mm-hmm. Now, if a you know 70-year-old's praying for a cat and that's the only thing she's praying about, then that might be a little bit of a problem. You know what I'm saying? All right. So is, <laughs> but, is, it, is it okay for the 70-year-old to, to pray for her cat? I I would say so. But I think it's not. But that shouldn't be the only thing. I think. Okay. So what I'm saying is with prayer, what should be in prayer, it's... Um, I, th- I kind of use like a four-letter acronym, ACTS. Mm-hmm. There should be adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Mm-hmm. Now, And that stuff we were talking about should be in the supplication. Right. But I would say that's at the the last thing you should probably pray for. Uh-huh. So adoration, like any relationship, you know, you want to adore being with somebody, enjoy being with somebody, talk about how good they are, talk mm-hmm. about what you like about, you know. And then um, confession... Um, like in the Lord's Prayer, there's an example of confessing sins. Um, so confessing sins and restoring a relationship with the Lord and thanking Him for the things you do have because um, the, when we have a lack of prayer, I think we have a lack of thankfulness mm. because we feel because a lack of prayer, I think, means you might not say it, but it's like, well, I don't really need to remind myself of what God's done for me and uh, you forget your need for the Lord if you have a lack of prayer mm-hmm. um, and just thanking him for what he has given you and then because so many times we'll do supplication stuff first and that'll be right. the whole prayer <clears throat> and yeah. I tell the kids all the time I'm like it's not a bad thing to ask God for you know to talk about you know wants and desires but that shouldn't be your whole prayer right? because right, I right. tell I tell them, I'm like, how would you like it if somebody came to you and was just wanting something all the time? I'm like, right, it's not right. a relationship, you know? Right. Um, so that's why I say it's, you know, not against that, but that should be last. There should be things like, uh, I don't want to, uh, like kingdom work in your prayers, you know, mm-hmm. that 
like a your kingdom come, your will be done. Right, right. And that, you know, praying for your church to reach people, praying for the lost, Mm -hmm. praying for, uh, we got a lot of new believers here at Rose of Sharon, praying for them that uh, the Lord will use us to disciple them and use others to disciple them. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of moving parts that kind of go into that. Right. Go into that prayer, but... I don't think it should just be asking just for anything. Because, I mean, you don't want to treat God like he's a magic genie in a bottle. You know what I'm saying? I think that's a lot of times what we'll fall into when all we're doing is just asking. Like it's in a Disney movie or something, you know. And that's not not how your prayers to the Holy Triune God should be. So when we're talking about the, you know, praying for others because they have needs, clearly we're talking to, um, primarily I think because... Again, we started this whole thing up with brethren pray for us. So we're talking about Christians praying for Christians. Um, one of the questions that came up um, is a question that comes up frequently, um, and it having to do with prayer, and and that's if <clears throat> if if somebody who is not a Christian is is praying for others or praying for to God for you know, on behalf of others or whatever. Does God listen to that prayer? Does God does God heed that prayer at all? And that's a great question, and it's one that we we can we can discuss here as as a panel. Because actually, I've heard I've heard disagreement on this even among Christians. Well, I think um, we've even talked about it before. I think we in have. A, in I think because I I, th- I mentioned it kind of in passing in the thing that because God's God, He hears something. Mm-hmm. I think I, I talked about that in the in the uh, sermon yesterday, uh-huh. and then I explained that, but. I think I was explaining that for somebody that they wanted to come to know Christ, mm-hmm. that, that really you need to pray that first prayer of repentance where you come to right. know him. And then now now you're in that, that opportunity now to have that relationship of prayer. But but he does. I believe he hears every prayer because he's God. Right. Does he answer every prayer? Yes, he even answers every prayer. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't answer the way we want him to so many times. Mm-hmm. I mean, I prayed a lot when I was lost. Mm-hmm. You know, for a lot of different things, uh, but but you know the the prayer that actually got me in the relationship with God was the was the one that I realized now that this is different. It's right. not like you know, pray my mom and don't find out I broke the lamp and I get a whooping and all that other stuff that we pray for as kids. You know, right? It, it, and now it's it's not just the like Blake was saying. It's not just what can I get from God, but you know how can I know God better. Yeah, and, and and this gets to I, I, as I as I sort of puzzled my way back through this question again and sort of re reapproached it, I, I began to ask a question that that is along those lines is I'm not saying that God doesn't listen to those prayers. I'm just wondering if it's even a prayer to begin with because isn't part of prayer if if I'm praying to someone, I'm recognizing their if I'm praying to God, I'm recognizing His authority on my life, right? I'm recognizing him as a higher authority than myself anyway. And so can I can I pray without being in relationship with someone? Can I can I can I acknowledge your authority over me without actually um, without at some point at some point saying that you know uh, uh, that that you uh, like I said without acknowledge can I can I ask for something from you without acknowledging your authority. Well, you may be just be hedging your bets too. Well, if that's there is true. a God, I want to pray about this thing. But then, then, uh, that, then that, my question then would be, isn't so that is a prayer? What is the motivation then of, of the prayer? Right. And does, and does that change whether it's a, an actual prayer or not? And I, I'm not saying it does or doesn't. I'm just saying these are questions I think that, that, that you have to kind of push into a little yeah. bit anyway. Yeah. I mean, I guess what I'm hearing pretty strongly is is that your prayer life can reveal your idols very quickly because mm-hmm, that's true based on how you like if you're the lady I hate to harp on the cat lady but <laughs> <laughs> if you're the lady who's only play, praying about your cat it, I think you're revealing very quickly where your heart is and, yeah. and, and what your true loyalty is and those types of things, and and I think if even Christians can fall into the trap of serving or praying to an idol, and using God to get what you actually want, which is your you want to actually serve this idol, you want to you want to follow that, and I think that's where like with this question, 
getting to, is it an actual prayer? Well, Paul talks about that when he's talking about meat sacrifice to idols. And it's like, dude, these guys, they don't hear you. Right. It's There's no ears on that thing. Like, mm-hmm. they don't hear you. It's vain. And so I think sometimes you might be praying to what you think is God. Uh-huh. But you're praying to an idol or praying to... Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're getting at. So it, it's about your heart. It's about relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that there are cries because because of our being made in God's image, right? Mm-hmm. There is a certain level. And because God is always drawing others to himself, right? There's a certain level of basic relationship God has with humans. Mm-hmm. And I think that allows him to hear their praise and prayers and maybe even respond to their prayers and answer their prayers but at the same time he knows like the heart of their prayer and he's like oh that wasn't a prayer to me that was a prayer to this idol or that was a prayer to that god right right um or god wouldn't call them gods but that's a prayer to this idol that's a that's a that's a prayer that's going to fall on vain ears right and I, I think um, one of the one of my former pastors, the way he used to answer this question, and I thought it was pretty good, was that he said that God isn't obligated. Well, not he's ob- he's not obligated to do anything, but he's certainly not obligated to listen to <clears throat> to listen. And there's a difference between hearing and listening, right? He's not obligated to listen to the prayers of a unrepentant person, right? And or to there's no promises involved in that. Um, but that doesn't mean that he can't or won't. Yeah. Um, Whereas with those who are repentant, he's uh, he's promised to listen. He's promised to listen to the prayers of those who are repentant. And so I think that there's promises involved for those who are repentant, right? Those who have trusted in Christ because he's he abides in them. It's kind of hard not to listen to, them, right? Yeah. Um, but but those um, those prayers where uh, because I, and I don't want to say and I know there's some pastors who go the only prayer that God listened to from a from a from a lost person is the prayer of salvation, and that's it, you know. And I and I I don't want to say that because what if what if that person is is praying for understanding, right? And they're praying for God sent. I don't understand this, but help me understand you, or or that I want I want to find you. Those aren't prayers of salvation necessarily, right? Because they don't they don't have any clue as to who Jesus is. So right. they're not praying a prayer of salvation. Yet they're praying for a relationship, right? Yeah. And so I, I would think that God would hear those prayers for certain. Not just hear, but listen to those prayers. Um, along those same lines, um, someone asked, uh, if, if, if you did believe for some reason that, that, um, that, an un- that God doesn't necessarily listen to the prayer request of an unbeliever because, again, maybe it's being made to an idol more than it is to God, is it okay to pray for their request on behalf of them? Can you pray for their request? Um, and if God isn't, you know, if God isn't, if, if it's, say it's an idolatrous request, right? And God's not, God's not, you don't think God would even hear that. Is it okay for you to pray on, on their behalf? Well, like, uh, I'll go back to the one about, uh, in, my, in my life personally, uh, my dad, his salvation story was my niece was, had sp- uh, spinal meningitis. Mm-hmm. She was just an infant. They were in the hospital. The preacher comes. My mom's there. My dad's there. They're all in the waiting room. And uh, so the preacher says, well, Jim, why don't you go ahead and pray for uh, Jennifer? And then my mom pipes in and says, God's not going to hear his prayer. He's not saved. Mm-hmm. And so they're in that hospital uh, waiting room. The preacher like talked to my dad, and he prayed to receive Christ first. Then he prayed for Jennifer. Oh, okay. So, um, so, so I can see where that is a motivating factor. If the if the circumstances are right, where someone can come to know Christ, mm-hmm. uh, because then it would be that can be a selfish thing too. Well, I better get saved so I can pray for my daughter, right? As opposed yeah. to I, I want to get saved to have a relationship with Christ, mm-hmm. and it worked out for him you know, the way it should have. Right. Um, so a lot of missionaries would tell you that they'll pray for even the witch doctors and all for their children to be healed or for something to happen because they're praying and they're saying, and they'll get permission, can I pray for your child in the name of Jesus? Mm-hmm. Because they're trying to show that Jesus is the true person to pray to. And that's that's a real... Uh, 
of, uh, you better have the Holy Spirit really compelling you to do that because yeah. uh, you could cause a lot of problems if, if mm. you're praying something for the wrong motivation. Mm-hmm. And there have been uh, missionaries have prayed for people, even witch doctors and all, where whose children were healed and everything, and then that person then becomes a believer. So I think I think the whole underlying thing is what is your motivation for praying to begin with mm-hmm. and for praying for other people and their needs. Right. I think Paul clearly in all of his things was asking for specific needs for the gospel. And uh, I didn't really go into a whole lot of how to pray for specific needs. And all. I started in this passage, I started almost to get a prayer that Paul prayed. Mm-hmm. Now, I've, I've preached a message like that before and I had blanks where they could put their kids' right. name. Yeah. But I felt more led because we have baptism and all day. And, and really was feeling just a burden. We need to just pray for these kids and, and not just see them as kids, but see them as our kids, mm-hmm. our family, have that burden to really pour our hearts out and pray for them. So this was more of an application kind of sermon, yeah. totally yeah. Ap- applied to, to back to school. So um, so I, I hope that answered the question where I think I think it's okay for us to pray for, uh, for lost people, even if they're praying a selfish prayer for something, that maybe if, it, if it's biblical and okay for that prayer to be answered mm-hmm. now if they're praying to win the lottery <laughs> you know things I've like that I've actually had that request before prayer walking <laughs> no no wait, wait wait say that again so I've actually had that prayer request prayer walking in my home <laughs> church my pastor wanted to give me like a summer project and it was to invite everybody within like a two mile radius to BBS by the time BBS rolled around okay so uh, we're just I figured one of the best ways to do that might be prayer walking uh-huh. and I kid you not when I when we asked how can we pray for you and he's like well, just pray I'll win the lottery and i'm like man, 18 year old me is like oh this is why i really need to go to seminary here you know? <laughs> but so i like i'm waiting for you to win if you promise to give your time to <laughs> <laughs> that's how you pray for that <laughs> and i i don't i mean obviously i don't think i prayed for him to win the lottery i've kind of kind of walked through like well, I, you know, kind of laugh about it, you know, because it's a little bit funny. But just pray, you know, I, I didn't pray necessarily for the for him to win the lottery, but that the Lord would, what we would call, give him, continue to give him common grace mm-hmm. in a way and show Jesus, you know, for Jesus to be revealed to him. Which I will say, you know, if you are praying for somebody's need of salvation, you could be the answer to your own prayer by going and sharing the gospel with them. Sure, yeah. And... Um, and going back to your previous question, I, like if somebody's having like some stroke, like say an unsaved couple is having marriage problems or something, mm-hmm. I I would probably, I'm just thinking out loud, I would probably pray for them like, Lord, I do pray you would rescue their marriage, but re- not just the marriage, mm-hmm. but show yourself to them through you working in this marriage mm-hmm. in a salvific way. Mm-hmm. That way, because like I can pray for them to rescue their marriage, was it? Which isn't a bad thing, but their relationship with Christ is much more important and would be a very beneficial factor in helping rescue their marriage. Right, right. You know, so I think there's a few ways. You know, you can word it like Jeff was saying in a way that is biblical. Or, and, right. Because I, I wouldn't have any problem praying that prayer in Jesus' name. Right. You know, but now if I'm praying like Lord, I pray, you know, this guy wins the lottery in Jesus' name. I mean, I conscientiously I don't you know I kind of struggle with that a little bit right because you know, I don't think that that's a very God glorifying prayer or if you've got you know if you've got a um, a, a couple that you know are not are not yet believers and they're trying really hard to have a baby right mm. and they want to have a baby and they're pray they're they're praying for a baby even though they don't they're not believers they're, they're not you know and they come to you and ask you to pray for for, for them to have a child. Um, is it you know knowing that they're not believers is, is, is it, I guess the question was is it okay to pray pray for that join them in prayer over that even though they're not believers that that's that's the that's I think that's the heart of the question that that was being asked Jeremiah yeah I mean it's a tough one but I think I think the Psalms make it pretty clear there's nothing there's nothing outside of like God God's not going to be offended by any prayer that you you offer up right like mm-hmm. but also as believers we have to know like you have to rest and find rest in the fact that God 
will tell you no, and it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I've said that a thousand mm-hmm. times. He'll either tell you no, he'll tell you wait, or maybe he'll tell you yes, or he'll grant whatever it is that that you want. But just trusting in him that... So, like, I don't mind... I've prayed for some weird stuff, all right? For, for students, uh, sometimes in regards to pets and pet surgeries and, <laughs> like... And I don't think that's off the table as long as we're not, like, again... I think this type of thing <clears throat> reveals your idols, but also as long as you know, and and like I welcome the fact that God has told me no. Like I thank Him that He has told me no a thousand times, mm-hmm. and I and I I trust Him. I think He's big enough to know when to say no. Yeah, right. And that's and we we want that as parents. We want our kids to trust us to know when when's enough and when no is a necessary. It's a necessary time to say no for their safety or for their good, right? And so I want to trust God that He's going to tell me no. But there is there is kind of a pattern once you become a mature believer of like, hey, really this is all about, like, let's maybe not focus on earth so much and our problems and here. Let's maybe focus on the mission and the gospel and that, like, like this guy who wants to win the lottery. Like, he probably has needs or, yeah. or things that he wants fulfilled on this earth, right, that he thinks money will give him. Right. Well, why not pray that God would grant him those things yeah. like, or that God, God would grant him the greater joy of himself, right? Yeah. And so a lot of my prayers just end up being like, God, if you want to reveal yourself in this way, do so. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get in the way of that. So like, right. if, God, if you want to reveal yourself in this way and, and help this guy win the lottery— do so, but let him know, like, this was you. Right. Right, and that may be a, a means for him to come to you. And mm. um, Obviously, it's revealing a very clear idol in his life, too. Um, but that, that's where my, my prayer is dominated by, like, God, reveal yourself, com- comfort us, help us, like, as a people to, to know where we can serve you and where we need to move and, right. and move us. Um, but also knowing that at the end of the day, if God says no— like I'm trusting him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this gets into one other final question that I have here, and that's: Does it really matter how specific I am with my prayers? Um, it does you know God knows my heart, right? Does it matter how specific I am with my prayer? Does does the language I because I think I think some people worry that the language that they use um, uh, will will limit um, uh, God the, the effectiveness of the prayer. And that, and that comes from, you know, I, I know you've all been around, you guys probably have all been around people who can, you know, pray flowery prayers and, and really just seem to, you know, just have a way with words and stuff. Make and, the spirit fall down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, this person over here isn't quite as, as vocal and isn't able to pray, you know, he doesn't have that kind of command over the English language. Does that mean that God's... You know, God's going to listen to this dude's prayer more than he's going to listen to this guy. Or even more, even maybe more to the point, does it matter how specific we are when we're asking a request of God um, uh, as, as to its effectiveness, uh, prayer's effectiveness? Yeah, and I think, uh, like, for example, let's use Autumn for an example. We're mm-hmm. praying that Autumn finds Christian friends and finds a good church. Yeah, which, by the way, I've got good news on that end. I'll, okay. I'll share that later. Now, if I was praying specifically that Autumn would find good Baptist Christian friends and find a good Baptist church, uh-huh. and then she finds a church that's not a Baptist church, but it's evangelical and it's solid, uh-huh. you know, like a Bible church or something, am I, like, now disappointed? Because I specifically asked for that, and my prayer didn't get answered mm. specifically. So I think mm. the specifics is what the actual need is, how the need gets met, you, you leave that up to God. Mm. And um, and then as far as not knowing what to pray, Romans teaches that when we pray, a lot of times we're praying stuff and the Spirit is praying with us. Mm-hmm. We always got to remember when we're praying with God, we're praying, but the Holy Spirit is there as well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the Spirit makes utterances and makes requests and pray. Sometimes He translates our prayers and actually takes the specifics to what we really, really need. Mm-hmm. And so you, we just rely on... Okay, I'll pray for this, and I'll trust God with whatever the answer may be. And 
um, you know, a lot of things like for kids, we want to pray for their safety in school. We want to pray uh, that they can learn. We want to pray that they want to be exposed to uh, any any false thing that comes their way that will, you know, hurt their faith, things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's specific things we could pray that would be good and we need to pray. Mm-hmm. But, it, but there's a lot of general things, too, that we don't necessarily need to pray, but they're out there as well. And so God... As long as we, we, we have a direction we want to go in, God's going to take care of the specifics. Yeah. But we may have in our mind, like, uh, you know, I want, my prayer might have been, I want to be, because you know, Eileen's like, you're going to be playing golf by June. I'm like, well, I mean, if that's, if that's what's going to happen, you know, that's great. But if mm-hmm. it doesn't, that's okay, too. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I, I want to get uh, well so I can do what I need to do. Yeah. And if I don't ever play golf again, you know, I'll be disappointed. But, you know... That's not, that's not really why I want to be healed. I want to be healed to be effective in the ministry kind of thing. So, right, right. So I think you just have to kind of shift through what you're looking for, but then leave the actual specific answers up to God. Then. If that answers that that question there. Okay. I'll let you guys grab the rest. Yeah, of yeah go ahead. Well, and I think if, like, if you know what's in Scripture, so like, say, in Hebrews ten twenty five, it's pretty clear that God desires for His people to live in community in a local church. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you pray specifically that you find a local uh, Christ centered body of believers for that person to mm-hmm. be a part of, I think God will be faithful to answer that. Like, and for example, mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm praying that I can have an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. Obviously, that's a clear command in Scripture to go make disciples, to go witness. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't feel like you'd have to pray, is it your will, Lord, that I share the gospel with this person? Like, obviously, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So I think he would be faithful to answer prayers like that. Um, not that he's not faithful to answer other prayers, but when it's in his Scripture and it's in his Word, I feel like it's not a bad thing to remind God of His Word and say, "Hey, look, Lord, I know that in Your Great Commission You tell me to share the gospel to teach them. Give me an opportunity to do that." And I think that would be a great way to pray mm-hmm. for something like in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I would just. I think sometimes we use a uh, we use prayer as a means to test God, mm-hmm. and I think that's where a lot of like non-christian prayers come that like that type of motivation like mm-hmm. and uh and the scriptures tell us not to do that so like i'm not i don't want to be a person that says that there's there's like not a pattern or a way that you should come to god um but i also want to be a person that believes in grace and mercy and forgiveness and and that god is bigger than your sin right and so like i don't want you to feel afraid to go to father god to Mm -hmm. our father um because he's a god that is quick to show you mercy and quick to show you grace and so if you're if you're a person like i I just don't pray because i don't know what to ask for or i just don't pray because i I don't have a theological education like I, i feel like sometimes we make it more complicated than it is but you do want to check your motives. You want to make sure you're not being accusatory towards God. You're not testing God. You know, you're not revealing idols. So, like, there's some parameters or things that you can gauge. But at the end of the day, just take all your cares to God. Like, just cast all your cares on Him. Whatever whatever comes to your brain, whatever comes to your mind, just throw it on Him. He already knows it. He can handle it. He's big enough to handle it. So in, in terms of, of how specific we are with our prayers, I, you know, one might ask then, you know, why isn't it, if, wouldn't it just be as effective just to say, God, I want you to, you know, bless everybody at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church. Or God, I want you to bless everybody in, let's go bigger, Durham, North Carolina. Or I want you to bless everyone in the United States. Hey, wait, wait, God, just, just today, on this day, Bless everybody around the world. Well, people pray those kind of prayers. So, so, but, but, I guess my question is then: Okay, well, what you know, to to a, to an average layperson, what's wrong with that? Be, like, like, um, you know, is is, is, is <laughs> <It's> too general? <laughs> too yeah. general to begin. It, it's too general, but but why why is being too general well, I, the, the the wrong yeah, approach? To I prayer? think uh, remember I, I showed that one verse where Paul. Uh, 
Paul is in, is in prison, mm-hmm. and all he prays is for the Lord's message to be will be spread rapidly and honored wherever it goes. Yes. Uh, and then pray too that I will be rescued from wicked and evil people for not everyone is a believer. Right. He didn't pray to uh, to get out of jail. He didn't pray. You know, he prayed for the gospel to be spread. Now he didn't want to be abused and everything, mm-hmm. but he didn't pray to get released from jail. Right. Um, but that 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 was the Thessalonian one. So that, that he's not in prison yet. So this was not. A, I think it was a, uh, whichever one it was. Oh yeah, yeah. So it was the Ephesians one. He's in jail when he writes in Ephesians. He says, mm-hmm. "Pray for me too, and ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan." That the good news is for Jews and Gentiles. So when he's praying that prayer, he's in prison. Mm-hmm. And he's writing to the Ephesians and he's saying, I want to have the right words to boldly explain God's plan of the good news of the gospel. Mm-hmm. He didn't pray, get me out of this jail, get me out of this prison, get that, get me out of this predicament that I'm in. He's saying, help me to be able to explain these words. Well, he didn't know that his words that he's writing to all these churches and taking care of all these, like even the Thessalonians, they had the whole question about what happens to people that die when, if Jesus comes back or they're going to be left out. And he gives us that great passage we read at all gravesides. Mm-hmm. Um, so so he, by him actually writing these letters, the answer to his prayer is being done. He is explaining all this stuff in great details with Romans and other books. Mm-hmm. All this theology, all this stuff about this mysterious plan and how it came into be. Right. Whereas if he would have prayed, get me out of prison so I can keep keep going on these mission trips and keep starting these churches, maybe that's what he wanted. Because he really wanted to go to Spain. That's what he really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But God answered it in a, dip, in a different way. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, so his specific prayer was to, to explain. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, but... But a general prayer, prayer, if he just said generally to do this, mm-hmm. uh, with that, you know, <clears throat> is, is he saying, get me out of jail so I can continue to do this? That's what we would pray. Get him out of jail. Yeah. Is, I, is, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I still don't, I don't know if that answers the question that I'm asking. I though. feel like with a general prayer like that, like, Lord, bless all of Durham. Well, there's a means in which I think the Lord would want to bless Durham. But mm-hmm. there's a means in which how he wants to do that, and that's through his church, okay. through the spreading uh, yeah. through the spreading of the gospel. So I feel like a lot of times when we do pray those things, we forget, well, we're a part of the means that can be, a, that should be the solution to these problems. You know, it's like, Lord, help crime in our city. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that might can come through. Uh, political figures and council members, sure. I mean, I'm not going to discredit that. Mm-hmm. But uh, if the gospel's gone out in Durham, it's very likelihood that the crime rate would go lower, mm-hmm. just as an example. Or if Lord help, you know, if your prayers help starvation in North Carolina, well, Jesus is pretty clear in Matthew 25. Um, like, you fed me when I was hungry, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you are the means in which a lot of these prayers can be answered. Mm-hmm. Um, now, can you do your? The, can you fix the whole problem by yourself? Well, no. I mean, that's why I say the church, you know, local churches and yeah. the universal church, kind of within that. So I think it's important to remember the means, and that God's chosen to fix these problems or to put His gospel forth into these areas. I think in our prayers, it's important to acknowledge the means, and for. It's not necessarily say, Lord, fix this problem. It's, Lord, show me what I can do to be a part of your your plan in this. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that makes sense and that answers your question. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's, that's that's getting a little bit... Uh, a little, well, I mean, both of, both of you are hidden, I think, on, yeah. on answers to the question. I don't know. I don't know if there is a specific answer right, to the question. I just no, I think, you, I think you could pray that prayer, but I think... Part of the answer, I think God, man, I think sometimes he's like, if <laughs> this is Jeremiah language, but I think he's like, oh, you mean like uh, come down there and die for them? Like that <laughs> that type of blessing? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, oh, like I'm not, I haven't already done that. Yeah. 
then that's obviously sarcasm. God's not sarcastic with us, but but you, you see what I'm saying? Like, and I think you could pray that broad of a prayer. Like, why why can't you pray for the end of uh, world hunger? Mm-hmm. Why can't you pray for world peace? Right. But also realizing that those things we believe are accomplished through a relationship with Christ and that one day those things will be accomplished in Christ, right? Like he is already working towards that. Like that's where we're headed. Um, but so our job now is to, is to gobble up and help as many people get on the ship, get in the boat, um, headed, toward, headed to having a relationship with Jesus because there's literally no problem on earth that can't be fixed with a relationship with Jesus, like ultimately. Mm-hmm. There's none. Like we we have people come and ask for things at Rosa Sharon and every single time I'm like you're you're not asking for enough. Like you're mm-hmm. you're 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 wanting so little. And maybe I don't even have the means to give you what you're asking for. But you like if you could just see everything that I've seen in scripture or everything that that God has done for you, you why would you be asking about this little itty bitty problem? This, I mean, this thing is tiny. Even if that thing is huge, like, by human standards, like being paraplegic or on your deathbed or, like, these things that are very big, ultimately is just something so small compared to everything that God has already done for you. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think it's bad to, to pray those prayers, but also knowing, like, <clears throat> oh, wait, that, that's going to be answered. That that. Like he is working towards that, because I think we get really accusatory, thinking God's not doing stuff, and He clearly is. Yeah, and it's our job to point others well, to, to what go, God is doing. Yeah, and to go back to what you said earlier, Jeff, and I think I think the way I, I approach this is, I think of it as, <clears throat> again, my understanding of prayer is, it's not that God. You said this yesterday, and it, it's important. It's not that God needs me to pray pray to make these things happen. Um, prayer is more for my benefit than it is for God's. And that's something that I think all of us have to realize. In part, and what is the benefit to me to praying? Well, it builds my relationship with God, right? It builds my relationship with God. It builds my relationship with others. And yes, I can pray for the blessing of the world or whatever, but it's far more beneficial to the relationship between me and God and me and others if I'm being very specific about the things and that you see things happen. Right, right. And I'm seeing and I'm joining I'm joining Jeremiah in his particular yes. struggle right now yeah. in the thing that he's dealing with. That that builds my relationship stronger with him and stronger with God when I go to when I go with this specific thing. Especially if, Blake, it's in line with God's plan, right? Or or what you were saying before, Jeff, with with, with what Paul was doing. You know, yeah, I can be focused on my own selfish things, and I can be focused on and God. Just relieve me of my circumstances right now. But if I'm if I'm really trying to build a relationship with God and trying to build a relationship with others, then I'm more I'm going to be more focused on the specific needs of those people who are around me. That's in relation to the will of God, right, and, and what He wants to do in their lives. And so, I think it's more about why are you praying than it is about what you are praying. And so often we throw in like God bless everybody is filler language. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I think I even mentioned that like, like when Paul says pray for us, he's not saying like, you know, now I need, lay me down the street, uh, sleep prayer. He wants them to pray for him, really pray for him. Yeah. And so like you and Autumn just made this huge road trip, mm. but in the back of your mind you knew people were praying for y'all. Oh, yeah. Y'all were going to get there safely. And it just makes you have that much more confidence knowing that people are praying for you and you're praying for people and it's interconnected. Mm-hmm. And so when you see answers, you know, sometimes the answer comes a surprisingly way different way than anybody ever thought, but you, you can acknowledge, hey, man, God answered our prayers. Or, and it makes everybody then become more in tune to, okay, God's working and he, he can work in my life, too. And if he can do that for you, he can do that for me. And here's some of my needs. And right. let's pray about some of this stuff. Or just even more specifically and very close to me, um, the, the trip I'm taking to Armenia. Oh, yeah. It's really cool 
Um, I, you know, one, it's it's awesome that people you know are giving to support that. That's because I know anytime somebody's given to support that, that means that they're joining me on this mission yeah, too. Yeah, they made an investment. They see they see it as an important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they they see it as important as I do. And if they see it as important, then I'm going to trust that not only are they giving their finances, but they're probably giving prayers mm-hmm. to that as well. And when I go to Armenia here in a week. Um, I'm going with knowing that I have an entire church body who's kind of going with me in prayer, that they're, they're joining with me in this mission. It's not just me going. It's me going, uh, one, because God, I feel like God called me to do that. I feel like, you know, very, very, very much led by God to join on this mission. But now I also feel the backing of all my brothers and sisters, my family in Christ, who are also behind me in, 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 as I go forward. And so, Yes, that makes a huge difference to me, and 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 that's what that's the power of prayer, right? And it's the power of family. It's kind of what we've been talking about throughout this podcast. So um, we're going to wrap up there, guys, because we're over time. Um, next week, I am going to be in Armenia, so I'm going to try and uh, I'm gonna do my best to make sure that we can still get a podcast out. I may not be able to publish it, so we'll see what happens, right? We'll we'll, we'll see what happens, but I I can tell you that on Sunday. Uh, the message is going to come from Philippians 2, uh, and my probably my favorite chapter in the Bible. If, 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 you, if you nailed me down and said, you know, what's your favorite chapter in the Bible? It's, it's Philippians That's 2. That's a good passage. Now, my, whole, my, my, my favorite book of the Bible is Philippians anyway. And in particular, though, what I want to look at in Philippians 2 is verses, um, uh, it starts in verse um, 12 and goes through uh, 13, 12 and 13. Which reads, therefore, my dear friends, just as you've always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Amen. And that's such, those two verses are so good. And we're going to unpack all that that means. Uh, and I think that often that those verses are misunderstood. And I'm going to talk about the misunderstanding behind those verses and then I think when you get a clear understanding of what those two verses are really saying, it should light you on fire to go do service for God. And so that's what I'm going to talk about. Amen. All right. So anyway, that's it for today, folks. Thanks for listening to us on The Main Point. And we look forward to uh, communicating with you further. You know that if you have any questions, you can always email us at rosbcpastors at gmail.com. And we'd be happy to hear from you. Until then, have a great week. Be blessed in in the Lord and go serve Him well. We'll see you in the next one.